Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. We are joined today by Ryan Stamager. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thanks um, so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. We're going to be using our best NPR voices because my mom is asleep upstairs because <laughs> it yeah. is... Uh, 11.53 p.m. on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We'll sound more sophisticated, though, so that's good. We'll sound yeah. so smart. <laughs> well, so, if you have been keeping up with us daily, if you're obsessed with us, you'll know that we just did a, a couple episodes in Chicago, but now we're actually in Milwaukee. And so the next couple episodes we'll be doing... Which is why be, my mom is sleeping upstairs. Right. It's not like she just, like, randomly moved into the apartment above yeah. us or anything like that. Right. No, now your mom is our neighbor. No. <laughs> no no um anyway so yeah we're here in milwaukee we just caught um the play mr, mr. Burns. burns a post-electric play and what the fuck <laughs> oh my god what the fuck and you were saying that it, it started in new york yeah yeah, um, yeah. Was... ryan is not a member of the cast, yeah this is misleading we should um <laughs> We should, uh, we'll come back to it. So you are in town yes. for Sweeney Todd the Demon over Barbara. at Skylight, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we've had w- two Milwaukee episodes already, one with Juliana and one with Joe Riggenbach, who Joe, actually, we went to go see Mr. Burns with tonight. Um, but they were working mostly with Milwaukee Opera Theater. So we've actually never, I mean, maybe maybe we someone we've talked to has also worked with Skylight. Um but for people that maybe aren't from Milwaukee or don't know a lot about Skylight, uh, Catherine would you mind? has worked with Skylight. Yeah, right. she was in Hair and something else. I think something else. Yeah. Yeah. She did some stuff with her education program. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Skylight? Uh, yeah, it's this uh, great um, equity company up in Milwaukee. Uh, it's at the Broadway Theater Center. Um, they do. I believe it's three musicals and an opera every year. Yeah. At this point, they used to. They've always kind of like um, done uh, different things over different seasons, but they're finally, I think, settled into three musicals and one opera. Um, their next season, I think, has one opera and one kind of opera. Do you know anything about Zombies from the Beyond? Not a thing. It's a it's a Valken Alley show. They did. Um, Oh my God! What is the name of that show? The Spitfire Grill. Um, oh. But this is about this one's about aliens, not zombies. That's going to be in their next season. But they're also doing the Hoffman, and um, they're doing Tales of Hoffman. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and you're in town, and Annie, and I think that's it for their next season. Oh, I saw that a couple of my Milwaukee friends who have kids sent their kids to go audition for Annie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But this season, this is the last show of their season, Sweeney Todd. Uh, they started with Violet, which I was also a part of. Um, and then they went to um, Lacage and I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. And then The Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, what is the French? Zemir Etazor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, Killing it. And then ending with Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Well, and Skylight always has had that this reputation of kind of bridging like musical theater and opera, it seems. Yeah, I know yeah. for their operas, they've always tried to to do very like modern translations that can kind mm-hmm. of reach an, a not normally opera audience. Well, because they did Tosca recently, right? They did, and they... Was that in English, or was that in... It was in English. Interesting. All of their operas, all of their operas, they do in English. Yeah. Because they did Cenerentola a couple of years ago too, and in English? It, was in Engli- it was in English. Yeah, Rossini's interesting in in English. Anyway, um, I'm always really interested in thinking about. Well, and it's funny. So, <laughs> Mr. Burns, I'm going to cut back to this because I think it's interesting what they kind of played with, which is the idea of how genres are really can really just kind of blend together by the end of it and maybe this is if you're going to see it it might give it away and maybe it won't but um by the end of it like it's a post-apocalyptic world and so uh they're playing with form and playing with ideas and you like they do these they do a lot with like kind of like that greek chorus format yeah and part of it is like extremely pulls extremely from like, like the operatic tradition and then it also pulls from like Lady Gaga and like '90s music, and, and so like the Toxic by Britney Spears <laughs> gets like a special mention. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm always interested in like when we go, when we look back a hundred years from now at musical theater that's being made today, I always wonder how much of it is really going to be differentiated from each other, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm interested from, uh, from a musical theater perspective, like how much of this, I mean, it, it almost feels like there are some people that coming from an opera mind when they talk about musical theater, it's like, it's not, it, it won't stand the test of time potentially the same way that like, I don't know, Verity will or something. Mm. But I, I think that's really unfair Anyway, I, I'm short-sighted sure. because yeah. it is it is a newer art form, and yeah. it's not different because like the Italians were hearing it in Italian the same way that we're hearing it in English. It's just like we've have this lens of nostalgia to it, or like adding this like classicness to it, like because that because opera is classic, it's somehow a higher art form or something like that. Um, well, anyway, it's, yeah, it's interesting because I, as a as a musical theater actor, I don't necessarily have that lens for opera. I also background on me. Both of my parents uh, are are theater people. My dad, mm-hmm. director, actor. My mom's an actress. So I was like raised on musical theater, basically. Yeah. Um, where so I I haven't had a whole lot of of exposure to to any sort of opera scene. I guess I've seen a couple here and there. And I I know them like uh, Carmen through what Hey Arnold they do a whole episode on that like yeah. it's it's very ingrained in our culture but I think for me and coming from my mindset it's like especially with like Sondheim and like you can definitely argue that there's some musicals here and there that I don't think will stand the test of time mm. I don't like there's some some pop bubblegummy yeah. things that. I don't think that in a hundred years they're going to be like toe tap into Legally Blonde. Exactly. Yeah. Although I was talking about this today, Lawrence O'Keefe is one of my favorite um, um, composers uh, who wrote Legally Blonde. He also wrote Bat Boy and he wrote Heather's. Yeah. Um, and he has I like this ra- right. He has this like range of 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 awesome witty humor that shows itself in Legally Blonde. That's just like kind of his most marketable one. But. Um, with the Sondheim stuff, I feel like there are those musicals, Sweeney Todd being one of them, that I think absolutely will stand the test of time because mm-hmm. it's already kind of like it. It first premiered in the seventies, yeah, eighties, seventies, eighties, eighties, and um, it was Dark Sondheim, which is mm-hmm. the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it really grew out of like Bernstein and Bernstein is a classical music legend. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. Candide is definitely considered an opera at this point. But, oh yeah. But like West Side Story is, I would, I think is, well, you know, yeah, you even go like, like that's the thing is, I think that, that things like originalized, like Oklahoma will stand the test of time. And then you get into like that first burst of like super creativity of West Side Story taking the Romeo and Juliet story and putting in Bernstein's amazing score on top of that. And then like Sondheim's lyrics, which he'll say are good or bad depending on the day. Um, (laughs) Depending on what his bump tells him. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, kind of create um, that that new like we're gonna stand the test of time piece of art mm-hmm. um so i think it's definitely possible i think i think like you said that's a little bit of a short-sighted um mindset yeah. well because it's it, it's an art form that came into fruition in like the early 1900s and mm-hmm. so to say like well you know there's opera has such a storied tradition and so clearly it will stand the test of time mm-hmm. it's like well yeah but do you think that in 1642 they were like you know, wondering whether it was going to stand the test of time or were they like, wow, what an interesting art form. Totally. We can can do so much with it, which is what musical theater is doing. And I mean, and now we are at, we are at the point of Hamilton, which is, is a huge breaking point, I think, in musical theater. The same way that, that I think Sweeney was as well in a, in a completely different category. But you have like Sweeney, even Oklahoma, you go back and this is the first time and it's like music and dance and lines in a story. And that's exactly. breathtakingly new mm-hmm. compared yeah. to what we had before. And now we look at it and we're like, Bleh, Oklahoma, whatever. But I mean, it was also, it had that, Oklahoma has that dream ballet, mm-hmm. which like it melds, you know, 
you know, really strong singing with, you know, complicated story with mm. with advanced dancing. Yeah. Like it's it's not like a lot of people throw Oklahoma under the bus as just kind of like this well, like oh Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But like when you pick it apart, like it's it's not the easiest to pull off. You have to have a lot of talent to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a theory about that. I think a lot of a lot of the reasons a lot of people dislike a lot of musicals are because of high school. They see things in their high school productions that are done by high schoolers, which is yeah. like great learning experiences, but with people that are not equipped to put on these shows right. in, the, in the level they're supposed to be put on. So they see that and just immediately are like, have that that first impression in their head one of one of my examples is always fiddler on the roof is that fiddler on the roof is a hugely exciting show about like culture and tradition and it's fun and it's Mm -hmm. fast and it's important and it's a lot of time sad um but you go in high school and it's tradition tradition right and it's like i don't want to sit through three hours of this please but when you see it on the level that it's supposed to be performed it's like yeah and everyone's like screaming and dancing and it's it's fun right yeah no i think it's really interesting and it's kind of playing with this game of like tradition needs to be tradition and it gets it can get stale in that way mm-hmm. but also like we vault things that we think are going to stand the test of time like i mean I, we were watching complex videos and they were talking about kendrick the new kendrick lamar album mm. and like trying to say in the week that it came out and sorry for my constant making metaphor like calling comparisons to kendrick lamar but mm-hmm. here we are but, but like they it. were basically but it's worth it yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were trying to say like oh this is uh this is already a classic and it's like you can't you can't do that. Like, that's not how it works. Yes, it's a phenomenal album, but you can't necessarily do that. And uh, I just think it's all really interesting. And especially because I think humanity, I think we see it a lot now because everybody's like freaked out with the world that we're living in, but humanity has such a big obsession with the past. Mm. Like we always want to keep looking back to like, things that happened in certain decades or certain time periods and go like, this is the best that it was ever was. And, yeah. and how could we ever make something now that could ever be that? But it's like, I don't know. I just think that's interesting. And I think it's interesting that when we look back at things too, like through education and um, it, it, ha- it can have that traditional kind of like staleness. Yeah. Um, but then also, but at the same time, it's like, but also it's, it's uh, like, st- solid what is the word i'm looking for like it's like a classic it's like it can't like i think oklahoma both has a poor reputation and a high reputation totally yeah well it's like it's that it's that classic ideal of like like it is it's a cliche it's a cliche for a reason it's because it is good and it happens like well and also when it came out it wasn't a cliche because it was what pretty much wrote the rule book yeah so, like, we call it a cliche because it set the standard for everything that came after it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I would love to uh, talk more about Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I think what's interesting, talking about what we were just talking about, is I think Sweeney Todd's been, kind of always has had this undercurrent reputation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever really been, like... Like West Side Story, everybody knows that West Side Story existed. Like you can recognize certain songs and be like, but like you don't see the guy that you're like the guy at the table next to you at a restaurant humming Epiphany or totally like, yeah humming Little uh, not Little Women Pretty um, Women yeah right, yeah right. Um, um yeah so I think that's sorry what were you gonna say no 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 I was just he was waiting for a question <laughs> oh yeah no sorry um no I I guess. What? Well, I forgot what question I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's late. Um, who are you playing in Sweeney Todd? Uh, I'm playing Toby Tobias, who is um, a kind of young uh, urchin boy that is originally um, uh, kind of owned, I guess, by a, another uh, a rival barber of Sweeney named Pirelli. Um, and 
eventually after some stuff happens well, we can spoil a sweeney todd yeah. everybody knows sweeney. Yeah. uh sweeney kills pirelli because he threatens to blackmail him and mrs lovett kind of like takes me under her wing as uh her apprentice and uh then a lot of stuff happens uh i find out they're grinding people into meat pies because i see a dead body fall down in front of me after she's asked me to grind the meat and i freak out and go crazy and then he kills her i kill him it's a good time yeah. <laughs> um and then this isn't your first time playing toby is this it is not i the last time i played toby was at off the wall in milwaukee when i was 17 um in 2008 i want to say it's 2017 now i'm 25 Someone yeah, do that sounds right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. It was it was my summer going into my senior year. Wow. So that I graduated in 2010. So that was 2009. Two, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting with Sweeney too because the score is just so gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm I'm very excited. Um, I did I did Into the Woods at Skylight as well, which, um. I played Jack and I've sang Giants in the Sky for so, so many things throughout mm-hmm. my life, especially as a high schooler, because that's kind of... What you sang. Yeah. And like that was my voice type. That was my character type. Um, and I got to do it at Skylight. And it, the first time hearing it with the orchestra, it's like, you, you, there's nothing to me like singing a Sondheim song with a full like talented orchestra that's the key yeah yeah yeah. you gotta have a talented one yeah because well (laughs) right um and like our our pit for off the walls i think was great but it's you know you're doing you're doing this this giant score with a couple people and where i do think there's a lot of value to that i think that there's super cool uh ways to set that up yeah um i think just you so rarely get the experience to sing it with a full professional orchestra Mm -hmm. so you sang toby when you were 17 and you're singing it again now that you're 25 yes and is toby around is is he a teenager is he a young adult like what's you can do it (laughs) you can do it a lot of ways uh i don't agree with half of them um, sure. <laughs> uh, the way the movie does it, um, Toby is a, a child, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think that is the strongest choice, um, because I think there's a lot of layers in him and Mrs. Lovett's relationship, and a lot of layers in like emotional and mental abuse that you can go into that that I don't think are quite developed yet if it's played by a child. Um, or even further to that point, I don't think a child actor can really grasp on to. Um, and then the, there's, there's the, the act of killing Sweeney in the end. And would a child at any sort of mental state resort to murder? A, mm-hmm. Murdering a grown man. Yes. No matter how defenseless he is at that point, would no matter what his relationship with Lovett, would he see the opportunity to take revenge and and kill him? I, I don't know. You can argue that it can, and I will listen. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit stronger choice where it's a little bit more on the adult side and um, a less bright adult that can be taken advantage of Mm. because I think that puts a lot more weight on everybody involved. It puts a lot more weight on Toby as a character who's kind of this, this thing that's just been abused and now finds this version of love for the first time. And then you see that literally ripped from him in a second. It puts a lot on Mrs. Lovett, who is, I think really, does care for Toby like immensely, but has has a little bit higher um, 
motivation with what she's doing with Sweeney. So her kind of manipulation of him, even if it's intentional, adds a lot when it's an adult. And then Sweeney's kind of like indifference towards him and um, kind of kind of use of him as a, a tool also affects a little bit more as an adult than as a child. You're just kind of like, oh, that kid's cute. Yeah. Which I think similarly to Jack in the movie version of Into the Woods, it's like, I think it's more interesting when it's... <laughs> that's a completely different show, though. That's This is this is very dark and realistic, and that you have a, a tall idiot playing Jack, I think, is funnier and, mm-hmm. and more interesting than an actual child. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Jack's stupidity is like is more effective if it's coming from someone with more life experience yes. than so, like with a kid. You're like, oh yeah, of course the kid is attached to the family cow. Totally, it's like mm-hmm. no, that's a twenty twenty eight year old man. Why is he so attached <laughs> mm-hmm. to that cow? Yeah, it gives it gives his mom reason to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm always interested with with Sweeney with like relatability. Mm. Uh, generally, as an as an audience member, I'm always interested in like who the audience is most relatable, like who the audience is most relatable with. Do you have any thoughts on like who that is for the like people I, in Sweeney? I think that very much depends on the production. Um, yeah. I, because the script is a masterpiece in itself, mm-hmm. but I think um, much like a lot of shows with Sweeney, it depends, it depends on how the director wants to show that light, I guess. And it depends on, on who you are as a person. And it depends on the time of day you're seeing the show. Like, it depends, yeah. like, an, an example of this, that's not Sweeney Todd, is next to normal. I think you go into that show and on however you feel on that day, who's playing whatever character, however the director put it in, you will feel differently for each different character. And, like, I've seen that show hundreds of times and that's not true but i've seen that show a lot of times and you get to a point where it's like today this show is about diana the mother and today the show is about gabe the son and today the show is about natalie the daughter just and you'd like totally absorb the experience from that character's perspective which i think is also true for sweeney todd um i've not seen the show often where i care viscerally about all the characters mm-hmm. that has only happened maybe in two different productions most of the time i tend to pay a lot of attention to love it i think and toby but that's because of that's because mm-hmm. like toby is right now where i fit into the musical as an actor so i think it's different that's that's my actor perspective i think as an audience member if I leave acting out of it, I think, uh, Miss, I mean, Mrs. Lovett, I think is the most interesting, but I think the only, the only like viable person to relate to as a normal human being is Anthony. Mm. Um, cause I think he, in my opinion, I've never played Anthony, so I haven't like delved that far into it, but I think yeah. he's the only innocent person in the whole show. I think yeah. he, is, he is Anthony Hope. He is the guiding mm-hmm. like light of maybe. Um, what is the daughter's name? Oh, Joanna. Joanna. Yes, uh, but she's crazy, and yeah. because of what the judge like puts her through, she right. is literally kept in this house for years. Then she gets sent to an insane asylum, and then she shoots somebody. Like, yeah. Um, she's she's a tricky one because I think she initially like you do view her as that kind of like mm-hmm. innocent ideal same with toby he's he's kind of an innocent character as well i think we were talking about this in rehearsal today i think toby and joanna are similar in that they could be anthony Mm -hmm. if they were in different circumstances than they're put through through the show toby's Mm -hmm. abused and then manipulated and joanna is locked away and then locked away more heavily yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, too, I think, because of the fact that Sweeney is so much this anti-hero mm. that we we're f- like we get so much of him, and we are struggling with, like, you know, when you when a 
It's hard, like traditionally, you would look at an, uh, an, uh, an opera, a piece of work like that, and go like, "Well, we see Sweeney the most. Like, we have to. That has to be the character we're supposed to relate to the most." And mm-hmm. because it's so hard to, um, we then jump to like, "Well, who is it then?" Yeah, you know, which I think is really interesting. Um, I also, this is a terrible segue, but I also wanted to talk more about. Um, I know we really really interested in the like the musical theater track. We talk a lot about um, opera. Yeah, about kind of like leaving opera, and you have all these kind of like young artist programs um, that, or you know, I mean, even sometimes before that, it's like pay to sings, or you know, these yeah, things that but- are kind of like internships and things like that. And after that, you go and you can do. Uh, bigger houses and then eventually you get to the Met and it's like you there's like a prescribed path Mm -hmm. it's yeah undergrad masters young artist programs agent regional houses Europe Met Mm -hmm. and that's like what you're what is like drilled into young singers like Mm -hmm. that's what you do like you start researching these young artist programs when you're in college and then you start with pay to sings and you do GoFundMes to raise the money for these pay to sings, mm-hmm. and then you graduate from there to ones that don't pay you, but you don't pay them, and then you go to like Santa Fe where they pay you. It's it's just like this whole progression. And I'm I would love to hear like if there's anything like that for musical theater, or if it's just if it's more free form. Um, <laughs> I think I think this the stereotypical want for there to be that is um kind of like college program bfa uh broadway mm-hmm. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's what that's what everybody wants they want to graduate and kind of go to new york and get discovered uh which is very understandable that's kind of what things like glee breed us to think and want um I think a lot of college programs are doing a lot better at showing the other options because mm-hmm. like that that ideal of of graduating and going out and booking a show and and starting is yeah. hard it's it's i don't want to say unlikely because anything's possible but it's it's very very hard you have to be in the exact right place and the at the exact right time mm-hmm. for like exactly a part that you're likely to be considered for um so no there's not really a set path i don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people go um the more expanded ideal of that is is college um some summer stocks and local theaters to get your equity card, then go to New York and then start auditioning out there. That's the more, the less kind of like Hollywood version of, of that right. story, the more uh, realistic job version. Um, but then there's also like, you can work this non-ex scene for a while and you can uh, start like putting your foot in directing for a while and then you can start doing EMC. I have friends that um, have been have been EMC, which is Equity Membership Candidate, uh, the program that builds your weeks to to equity for like years, and they've been they've they've scheduled themselves on like one equity show and then like four non ex shows so that they mm-hmm. can can build the most experience and do the most that they want um, in that time. Uh, so yeah, I guess the simple answer is no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's not there's not really a set track. It's very much dependent on the person that you are. Yeah. And I have this conversation with a lot of people because Chicago for me is very much where I want to be right yeah. now. I totally understand wanting to go to New York, and I totally understand people that have that that drive too. I personally, at this moment, don't because I like the community that I'm a part of and I mm-hmm. think I have work to do in that community. I think I think there are things that I are still left undone for me there that I'm not ready to move on from there yet. Mm-hmm. Um well we were talking about um 
a production of Sweeney in New York that was set in a yes. pie shop, right? Yeah. And that is kind of that it pulls from we see we're seeing a lot in opera now too this storefront tradition this mm-hmm. idea of like putting up things in spaces that it wouldn't normally be in we saw um, that tonight at mr burns yeah, absolutely we saw a post-apocalyptic play in the like yard of a warehouse and then in a warehouse mm-hmm. how so how often do things like that happen and where does that fall in this kind of like play is that mostly non-ec stuff or uh yes um but like immediately i want to take i want to i feel like there's a some people i definitely don't have a have a what's the word negative view of the word nonek mm-hmm. um and i think that sh- what chicago does so beautifully is that uh new york kind of has has big in my yeah. head i i have not spent a whole lot of time out there but um auditioning at least new york has has the biggest that is Broadway. Yeah. Uh, and, and like that idea. And then the auditions out there audition for a lot of, a lot of regional houses and stuff. Chicago has, um, kind of like the big, big name theaters, Steppenwolf, Goodman, Chicago shakes, stuff like that. Then they have, um, the suburb like musical houses, Drury Lane, Paramount, uh, theater at the center, which is in Indiana, but we all count it as Chicago, uh, Marriott. Mm -hmm. Um, that do that do like regional quality uh, musical theater and plays, and then you have another sub level of like equity um, smaller houses like yeah. the Court and Porchlight and Mercury that that do kind of like that storefronty almost uh, smaller housed equity theater mm-hmm. and then you have nonek which can can vary from uh something like metropolis which is out in the suburbs which is like a bigger house that does a little bit um larger sized shows and then you can have things like theo ubique which is a smaller cabaret setting um that does like giant shows in this small space and then you can have uh uh theaters like griffin that do things at the den they're doing um Scott Weinstein there just directed uh, Titanic a, a few years back, and he's doing Ragtime right now. And there, it's this this space that is like a normal black box setting, and they're mm-hmm. like totally trimming down the orchestra to being like just what's needed, bare bones right. kind of stuff. Um, but like these brilliant productions in these like smaller realized versions. So I think Chicago has like a little bit of everything that you could possibly want as an actor yeah you can do this this super big budget crazy musical and then you can do this really um experimental one man piece or mm-hmm. one woman piece like that that is really interesting yeah i don't know how you're gonna that's say that's something that we talked about um we are um yesterday's episode um we talked to um, Chicago Fringe Opera, and mm. we talked about um, how kind of the struggles that you know big opera is having right now, and kind of you know is it becoming stale and blah blah blah, and 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 we landed on just kind of like this the, our hope for a well-rounded art form, yeah, mm-hmm. where it's being done at its best at every level, and it yeah. sounds to me like you know chicago has that going for it Mm -hmm. which i which is heartening because that's i think everybody's hope for every art form is that you know you're able to you know that it's performed with integrity Mm -hmm. at every level you know that the smaller houses are you know doing what they are trimming what they can but keeping what matters and then up and up from there until you get to you know Broadway in Chicago. Yeah. That's like big budget people flying all over the place, you know, yeah, shit yeah. like that. Well, it's interesting to me, right? Because I think what um, what it seems like there is more in the musical theater world is that because Broadway exists, which I, Broadway is what consists of probably like 15 to 20 theaters. Is that I think accurate? It's 33. I want to say I just read that number. Yeah. And it's like, that's, it's all pretty big budget stuff. 
And so when you compare that, I mean, and it's it's hard to then compare that to opera because it's like, and with opera in each city we have one big house that has big budget. Yeah. And so then then you look at if if then if you want to just make the comparison of theater community to theater community right new york is all of these big houses competing with each other and then with chicago it's really like from my limited understanding it's like it's like four or five maybe mm-hmm. um and yeah. so there's so much more room and and that's the nature i think of chicago and as an arts community at all is like we have so many of these neighborhoods and and um like so many different areas um do you find that uh, in your in the time that you spent in New York and time that you spent in Chicago that that there is more freedom as far as like absolutely vision? Uh, yes I think so um, because yeah like I like I said you can you can go from those like big budget musicals to those to those smaller pieces and in one audition season you can see ten different things and say kind of this. I mean, I'm at a point right now because I'm I'm still very much on like the younger scale and just kind of like trying to get work and kind of like build my name up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of auditioning for just anything I can. Yeah. But once you get to a to a stable place, it seems like you can be well. This is a project I'm much more interested in compared to this project, which I'm sure 17 other people are are interested in, but doesn't quite suit what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's hard too because maybe the thing that maybe doesn't entirely suit what you're going to be doing is potentially a bigger paycheck or something. Totally. Like that too. Yeah, that's a that's a, a hard game. I know for me because I love doing storefront opera, but I mean like I'm not pulling in buku bucks from the bohem out of a coffee shop, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and that's the big the big the struggle of like when to start thinking about going equity and when to not doing that and kind of what you want out of your career. Right. I was just going to ask that actually because that is one huge departure from opera. Mm-hmm. There is there is a, a union. AMDA, right? AGMA. AGMA. AMDA yeah. is a school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the deal with AGMA is that you know, you don't have to accrue points or anything. Like to get into Agma, you do an Agma show, and they're like, "Cool, now you join Agma, mm-hmm. right?" And that's it. And you pay dues, and you, I think, have the option of like health insurance through them. And basically, it just like guarantees rehearsal standards, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much all it does. But it's interesting, right? Because with Agma and Chicago, I mean, what's the? I, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only Agma house is the is lyric. I think so. So it's like yeah. there isn't unless you're singing with a lyric. There's really no reason for it. Whereas like equity houses and theater. So with with Agma, can you not do a non-union show? No. You're, if yeah, if you're no, I mean, sorry, if you're Agma, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Okay, great. No, yeah, because um, our friend Tyler is in Agma. And um, and he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it pretty much just and so that's so there's at this you're kind of with Agma you're kind of faced with like there's really no reason not to but then at the same time there's really no reason to yeah because the end like the initiation fee is a thousand dollars and then dues are like hundred a year or something like that and yeah. so like if you're not doing big stuff then like why go through that that financial burden but yeah. at the same time like kind of why not or yeah. and i'd be know. interested in talking to more people that have like a very thorough understanding of what kind of what agma and what equity has fought for over the years because i mean generally i think like unions in the world politically have really I, I, I don't want to like make the bold statement that they've fallen entirely from what they originally stood for. But I, I think that we've been, we've like the right has spent so much time breaking up unions that it's, um it's not, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm curious what that has done to kind of performing unions, which maybe would be on the fringe of that. Totally. Um, of that thought process. Are you equity? I'm not. Okay. Um, I'm about, I want to say, 20 points away, 20 weeks. Um, I could be less than that, out of 50. Gotcha. Um, I think I have about two more contracts. So how Mm. how the equity membership candidacy works is 
if you are offered a non-equity contract in an, in an equity show, you can start your um, equity. How dare you? <laughs> I know. I just like straight up burped on the podcast. It's okay. I've been I've been trying to avoid it all night. Yeah. I'm drinking a new Glarus right now, just mm-hmm. so everybody knows. Yes, a fresh yeah. Wisconsin beer. It's yeah. not spotted cow. It is a Moon Man. Nice. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we went to Vanguard, which is this like really dope sausage spot that is like sausage and beer. Right and we, metal music and metal music <laughs> lots oh, of metal it was really loud yeah anyway sorry totally yeah um so equity membership candidacy uh if you're in if you're offered a non-equity contract in an equity show you can apply for equity membership candidacy which means that you start building your weeks to become to get your equity card which once you get 50 weeks you will theoretically uh, get your card, pay your dues, and you will be an equity actor. Um, and that's that's rehearsal plus performance. Mm. So I think Sweeney's getting me, what, it's six weeks total, three weeks of show, two weeks, four, three weeks, math, of mm. rehearsal. Um, so yeah, so it's it's kind of just like adding up your, your points that way. Yeah. And then, and then, do you uh, the rules of once you have equity, like not doing equity shows, like you cannot or- once you are equity, you cannot uh, be a part of a non-equity show. You can only work under equity contracts. From my understanding, I am huh. not equity. <laughs> yeah, but but can you not get equity? Do you see what I'm saying? Can you not join equity? So that you, you could still, but and then still do equity shows to, and do both. Or? To my understanding, you can defer once. Mm-hmm. You can. So, so the other way to get an equity card is you can um, be offered an equity contract. Yeah. Um. Just like off the bat, you like the you, we're we're hiring you under this contract. You have the choice to become equity, or you have the choice to not take the contract. Right. Or. I, you have the choice to defer once and that be, you have to like send in a letter saying like this is my situation um this is why I can't join right now uh, I'm still working towards this or I'm not working towards this but I would like to be a part of the show and I think they have the final right to approve or disapprove that huh. um but once you once you have enough weeks you're at kind of this precipice of you can continue to do non-equity shows, but the next equity contract you take, you have to go equity. Huh. Interesting. Do you know why you're not able to do non-equity once you're equity? Um, because uh, it like union mudding, basically, like huh. because what the union does is it is it supports fair wages and support yeah. like there's so many benefits to it. Um. So the idea of not being able to do non-equity stuff is that like you have decided to make this, and this is all stuff that I've been fed by like a lot of people. So yeah, yeah. it's like you have decided to like make this your career. This right. is this is now what you would like to do. Um, so you're like going towards the the better contracts, the better paychecks, the better health insurance. Mm-hmm. All that stuff, I would like to be paid for what I'm doing. Right. Which uh, at its foundation is a fantastic absolutely. thought process. Yeah. Where it's like wanting to be able to take your work and, and m- being able to legitimize the work in some way and, and grouping it into a thing to make it work that way. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting, though. Because coming from, for, for us, coming from us, like, I see so much of what we're doing in opera at least because the, I think because the scene is I don't want to say smaller but maybe that's the word I want to use smaller um, there you're able to do so much more with these grassroots we've we've been found at least that you can do so much more with these grassroots companies and it seems like Nonek kind of has that same thing and so I, I don't think it's interesting the people that maybe founded equity or or kind of like thought of that maybe I don't know like the I don't think that they were that people were thinking about what the fringe could really offer. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, that's the thing. Cause like, I think in the theater world, the separation definitely exists of like, not all equity is, is 
like this theater's doing Phantom of the Opera yeah. again, and not all non-equity is like super creative, like cool stuff. I think right. there's absolutely levels yeah. of of there's absolutely sides. Like equity has the gritty, cool, uh, working stuff outside, as it has the like bubblegum kind of like crowd pleasing size right where i think non-equity has the gritty side where it also has the bubblegum side so it's just kind of a it's it's it becomes just whether i i guess you want to make a career out of it or or whether you want to be doing it as your both of them are passion driven but it's like passion while supporting yourself yeah or passion while having it support you as well mm-hmm. which think, still isn't guaranteed <laughs> like, yeah. and i think sociologically it's interesting because what theater has over any or most of our art, other art forms is sheer numbers mm. i mean you can see trends a lot more i think in theater of like kind of what people are doing or what people are trying to do whereas in other art forms it might not be as easy because it's hard to recognize like there's a pattern going on yeah um uh, we have like f- we have like ten minutes left, which is always an interesting thing because it's like enough to bring up another topic, but like not like not enough to like super fully delve flush into it. it out. Yeah, like yeah. be like, so tell us about your birth. <laughs> yeah, um, I am interested in talking about you went to Roosevelt, right? Yes. So you are. And you grew up in Milwaukee. Yes. And then, so you moved to Chicago, and then you're uh, you, you're coming up to Milwaukee. You're actually staying with Maureen's mom. Yes, I am. Yeah. I, I think it's funny that, so Ryan and I went to high school together. So we met in Wauwatosa, mm-hmm. and then Ryan went down to Chicago. We both live in Chicago, but we are interviewing you. In Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. In, Milwaukee. <laughs> in my mom's house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> at 1230 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just like weird and art is weird. <laughs> yeah. It isn't it amazing. Um, well, I'm interested in uh coming from Roosevelt because it's in the loop. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I also cuz I also went to Roosevelt and the loop has this weird thing where you know, there's a lot of stuff happening there, but like nobody lives in the loop. Yeah. Like everybody commutes to the loop. Yeah. Um and so it's interesting seeing like the kind of art that's made there or kind of like the people that you know, like the people that go to Roosevelt um do you think that that how has that looked at for you in the world of musical theater the loop like how the working in like working in roosevelt like it's interesting for me with with opera uh-huh. because i know a lot of people that i know that roosevelt does a lot of things mm-hmm. but it's not like people that i know from roosevelt are making art in roosevelt anymore you yeah, know? yeah yeah um so i think roosevelt was uh, a great school for me. I really enjoyed it because they kind of set me up in Chicago. They gave me a lot of mm-hmm. connections. Um, the interesting thing about a theater education at yeah. this point is I think all pretty much all um, BFA programs are the same, give or take. Mm-hmm. Like this one will have this where this one will have this and this one will have its negative aspects and this one will have this its negative Mm -hmm. aspects i'm actually almost to a point where like i if i right now had a child that was getting ready for college which is impossible Mm -hmm. um i (laughs) literally literally uh (laughs) i would almost knowing the the little bit that I know about the industry, I would almost set them up with a schedule of classes outside mm-hmm. of a BFA program, like going through Vegabond and going through Porchlight dance classes and and find and going through Second City classes and like ske- and making making their schedules of classes that they are interested in outside of college setting simply because of finances yeah um and i think they could get a similar education what's different and kind of the same is you can you you can find like this faculty that is built off of its connections i can i can 
trace most of the things I've done in Chicago back to either something that happened at Roosevelt or my first show in Chicago, which was Reefer Madness. Mm. Like, everything else I can, in a way, in my own head, obviously there's other stuff involved, right? but I can, I can, this is how I met this person, and this is what got me this, and this is what got me into this room because of these people. Right. I can trace back to something at Roosevelt or Reefer Madness. Yeah. Cool. And I mean, and it's interesting with Roosevelt Theater, too, because it's different than with opera, because the theater company's theater company, the theater conservatory is very prolific. Mm. They put on like five or six performances a year. It's a lot. And it's more now than since I went there. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a unique experience. Is that something that you think that, I mean, obviously, I think people going into schools are like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm putting as many roles on my resume as possible. Totally. Um, but do you think that that's something that do you have you found that outside of school that that's been as important or putting roles on your resume? Yeah. Or or putting roles on your resume while you were in school? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I don't, I, uh, I don't know. It's it comes in in waves and differences of opinion. Kind of, I think. I think a lot of a lot of our castability comes off of what we present ourselves as in the room and then what our connections are. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just no, mean yeah. like because I know like because you know this person, you'll walk into a room and you'll already have a rapport with them. Right. Um so I don't I don't necessarily think a list of roles is is any better or worse mm-hmm. than someone going in and and presenting themselves well in the moment for the part that they're right. auditioning for. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, there's like a level of like, oh, well, you've done this amount of roles. Like, there's a you gain a, something as a performer for that in that way. But, but like, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much more to experience it. that is added. But yeah. I think, I think that's where the official benefit ends. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I feel like if someone were to look at a resume and be like, oh, this person played this role, like, mm-hmm. I am, immediately they are cast, like, yeah. or immediately they're higher than this person. I don't think that quite exists anymore in my head. I'm not a casting person, though. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, well, this is fun. I, we didn't actually mention, this is our 50th episode. Woo! Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, no. So this is our 50th episode. Thank you so much for being our guest Thank for it. Thank you for having me. Um, we knew we wanted to do something in the realm of, of nice. So it was really nice to, first off, do our first like true like musical theater thing, but to do it. Besides Catherine Duffy. Right. Back in Milwaukee. I brought that up, at, Catherine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Maybe a, we're, for 100, I think we're going to have Catherine Duffy back on. Yeah. Yeah, and then for 150, we'll have you back on. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Yeah. that'll be great. Doing the benchmarks. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a plug. Sometimes it's very obvious what that plug will be, like if they have a show that's upcoming. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. We also or if love they have hearing a, like a web series. A web series that we'll talk about later. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it can also be like self-care things, some, some people that you think are doing dope work, uh, a book you like, TV show, whatever. Um, so a good minute. So it can be all minute of one thing or like six, 10 second things or six, oh, six, 10 seconds things. or so 61 I have six second things. things. Oh, that's a challenge. Um, well, I will say I'm doing uh, Sweeney Todd at the Skylight Music Theater in Milwaukee. We run may 19th through june 11th and i think it's gonna be pretty good matthew ozawa's direction sounds awesome so far we've only we've only done the first act mostly Mm -hmm. um but i think it's gonna be cool and other than that i uh filmed and edited and am editing because we're not done yet a web series called in the room um which is a chicago audition comedy video series that takes real chicago actors um and kind of pits them against their biggest audition fears we interview them beforehand and then we kind of put them through an improv scenario where our um two auditors are are very talented uh improv actors that are friends of mine that uh 
take the fears that they talk to us about and kind of manipulate them in the situation. So it's very fun and very funny, especially if you're an artist. Cool. So check that out. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. And we're going to have Ryan and um, some other members of his production team on to talk about in the room more in depth and also just kind of like the, the audition process mm-hmm. um, for musical theater. And we'll throw in our opera insights as well. Yeah. Because as we are wont as to per do, use. we have um, to talk about the the pay for piano thing that happened in Chicago that all the actors freaked out about, and then you guys were like, "That's normal." <laughs> yeah, I would love to talk about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will definitely have to talk about that on that episode. Yeah, Ooh, sorry, buzzing. Um, yeah, because cool. I know that those people. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. Uh, Thank, uh, we've got so much coming up. We've got a couple of new articles coming up this week. And we really had quick, some- just like, I'm going to interrupt you. Thank you so much, everybody who has listened for all 50 of these episodes. Yeah. Um, like, it is so immensely, Im- like, this has become so immensely satisfying. And, like, the fact that we've gotten to 50 episodes and the fact that we're at any donation level at all mm-hmm. is so amazing. And that we're at a place where we can really make cool shit every yeah. day so like before we dive into more of what we end the episode with just like thank you yeah no absolutely <laughs> thank you all so much i mean like it's been a fucking ride and like we're fucking here for it and we want to keep going and we're thankful to all of you that also want us to see us want to see us keep going um i think we're just like so amazed by how big our reach has gotten and i mean the idea that people can come onto our podcast and have any idea of what we're like is kind of surprising to me um (laughs) yeah like yesterday uh mathin at one point uh we asked him a question and uh and we he hesitated and we were like oh sorry and he was like no no no. i knew what kind of podcast we were getting onto and i was like yes yeah so so yeah anyway thank you all so much (laughs) um cool well uh if you want to keep up with what we're up to there's a lot of ways you can do that the first and most exciting is scopymag.com that is the magazine wing of our establishment thing uh where you can go and see articles uh old and new um mostly old some new um if you want to keep up with us on social media there are a lot of ways to do that you can head over to facebook scopy magazine uh you can find us on instagram and twitter scopy mag um, and as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. Uh, we run on a shoestring budget, and we have a huge project coming up this summer. Um, we've been teasing this summer residency program that's mm-hmm. like, you know, going to be concerts all throughout the summer, and we finally have nailed down venues. Um, I want to like for sure like name on the line you know, nail it down before we like go throwing around names of places that we're mm-hmm. going to be hanging out all summer, but they're like pretty solidified. Yeah. So, and we're, um, um, we need a good, a better name besides residency. Originally we were just going to be in one space. <laughs> and so we, w- it was actually going to be what you would consider a residency would be called, but now we're in three different space, four different spaces. Yeah. And so one of them being our apartment. Yeah. And so it's not really a residency and it's not like a festival and it's not a series. I mean, it is kind of a series, but, but that's we're boring. looking, yeah. So just, if you have, if you have any ideas for what we should call that, uh, please, uh, write in. Yeah. Sorry. I cut you off. I cut you Donation off spiel. earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, in order to be able to put this project on, we're going to do it as cheap as possible, but there are still going to be some costs associated. Um, we're also looking to get some more articles written, and we want to be able to up the stipend for these hardworking, long-suffering journalists, and we cannot do that without your help. So if you head to scopymag.com, go to our About section. Um, if you become a monthly subscriber... Uh, we'll give you a shout out on the show and any show that we do in our apartment, any like performance, uh, you're going to have access to. I'll make hummus <laughs> and uh, there will probably cats. be cheap wine mm-hmm. and the cats are there uh, and then we'll hang out and it'll be awesome. Um, but if you're not a monthly subscriber, you're not invited. So don't even try mm-hmm. to come into our place. 
Real don't talk, even, you just have to send me like a can I please come message? And I'll be like, please don't love fucking, me. Don't fucking say please that. They gotta pay. They gotta, they gotta, pay. God, yeah. they gotta pay, yeah. Daniel. Well, I would hope that. I would hope that if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast and you've listened to 50 episodes, that by now you've at least considered it because we, we need the money. We have a lot of things we want to do, and, and and like this is the longest donations feel ever. That's okay. I'm, I don't care. Like we don't have we don't have advertisers. I don't. I'd rather not. I'd rather never have advertisers. I'd rather don't never say have. That. Hey. No, and like let hey. me let me let me really. Hey, hey Nike. Really, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say Nike. Dan really, Harman. <laughs> Dan Harmon. Well, I was just gonna say like. I love Fuck the idea Adidas. of us being completely <laughs> listener supported and being completely able to do this because of the generosity of you guys. Um, yeah. And the idea we that, would've... you know, we can keep this free and, and do it in a way that people that maybe can't afford it um, can have other people donate for them or with them or, and, you know, and the idea of us kind of all coming together to make this a possibility is, is very exciting to me. So yeah, we if would... we can do that, that we're, would make me really happy. We're pretty anti-establishment. And so as crowdsourced <laughs> as this can be, the happier we'll be. Yeah. But um, worst comes to worse, we will start touting MeUndies. Or whatever. Or Squarespace. But let's try not to. <laughs> Blue Apron. Yeah. Blue that's, Apron. that's my favorite Apron. podcast uh, yeah. uh, advertiser. Or uh, Dollar Shave Club. Casper Mattress. Casper Mattress. <laughs> I want one. I do too. Because I will, of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want one really bad. Yeah. Um, cool. All You're right, welcome well, for all this free advertising. Seriously. Yeah, for real. Um, um, well, thank I'm, you all so much for listening. I've been Dan. Oh, what were you going to say? I have to say the end of my donation yeah. spiel. That's very important. It's the 50th episode. Give a little. Give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Thank you all so much again for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. <laughs> it's so late. Yeah. I want to play a Super Tramp song. It's 1 a.m. <laughs> Do you continue to be anyone? I already said that. You did? Yeah. Thank you so much for listening again. <laughs> Go out and make something. I've been Dan Johansson. Go out and make something. <laughs>